Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking, a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Wiley, and today I'm excited to be having uh, Sheldon, aka Papa Shell, joining me today. Uh, Sheldon and I know each other from the cybersecurity community, and when I started the Pwn School project, part of that was due to him and uh, Rick, that was on one of the former episodes, that they were in the Denton area, but there was no security community, so I opened up a chapter of the Pwn School project there. And since then, uh, Sheldon's helped me uh, co-host the meetings, coordinate the meetings since 2018. And then uh, we converted to a, a DC group. So it's DC 940. So he's been very instrumental in that uh, in our Discord community and, and previously our Slack community. He was big on mentoring and helping people on theirs, really loves to help people and, and the ideal kind of uh, person for this episode. So i uh, looking forward to you hearing his story and his advice. Welcome to the show. Thanks, we appreciate it. I've listened to quite a few episodes, even lately, listened to a few big name people that I really idolize and definitely an honor to uh, to be on an episode and, and chat with you and share my story and really hope it uh, speaks to somebody out there for sure. I'm sure it will. So for those that, that haven't heard of you, uh, why don't you kind of share your your story and kind of what got you interested in security and technology and, and kind of your path on how you got there. Yeah, I think for fun, I'll, I'll take it just back to childhood maybe because I, uh, I have a really, I feel like I have a weird uh, path into security. I mean, it's no, it's no bear wrestling or anything or, but uh, <laughs> I think it's definitely unique to some and I've been blessed to have some really cool opportunities to get into the field, but as far as like this, that hacker mindset, right? Sometimes I don't consider myself much of a hacker because I don't do a lot of red team offensive work. I definitely know a decent bit about it and I love doing it. But um, uh, once I started getting into that like hacker scene and getting that definition of what it, what it means to be a hacker, which I, I think my definition is, is just making things work in ways that they weren't intended. Um, and I like to my mother likes to remind me of this, that I've been hacking on stuff since I've been a kid. I've always enjoyed taking electronics apart, seeing how they work, trying to put them back together. Might be a few screws missing, but they work. <laughs> you know what I mean, I've just, I've really always enjoyed uh, learning how things work, right? And a lot of that, I'm super hands-on. I have to explore. I have to tear things up, take them apart, see all the bits and pieces of how it works, and then make sure I can understand it. And I didn't really realize that, honestly, because of the path I took um, out of high school until later when I got into the field. And then I started kind of looking back in, in my past and like, you know what? <laughs> I have been doing this type of stuff. I remember in high school, uh, started with wanting to play video games like most people who wanted a, a computer at the time. Had my, my first computer uh, built and learned how to build my own. But I remember playing uh, Diablo 2. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever played <laughs> that before. Uh, but I remember playing it so much in like 
the high school times and got to the point where I had to go get a real job at, at 16. And I learned how to, to use a bot for the first time and literally make my computer play Diablo 2 for me for hours upon hours while I slept and went to work and, you know, would always just toy with stuff like that. And then as I got to the end of high school, trying to decide what I wanted to do for college, I, I had two things in mind and they were wildly different. One was computer science, always liked electronics, computers, those type of things. And the other was, was the uh, youth ministry. Um, and man, I was so close to going and doing computer science. And I just felt, uh, honestly a calling because of the influence that my youth pastor have had, had, had had on my life at that point. Um, just had a really positive experience, not with just him, but just our, my youth group in general and just the, the influence that I put myself into and around. And I just really enjoyed what he did and how he made a difference in my life and the investment that he made in my life. And thought to myself, do I want to be a nerd and sit behind a computer screen all day or do I want to, you know, work with other students and make a difference? You know what I mean? And at the time... Mm -hmm. That, that felt like a no-brainer. I was like, yeah, I don't want to sit behind a computer all day. Fast forward now, I, I sit behind a computer all day. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I decided to actually go um, to a Bible college and didn't know what I wanted to do at first other than possibly youth ministry and got there, started learning, met a lot of great people, hated college still due to this day, but I got through it. It took me a little longer and, and finished with college and went off to be a youth pastor for about six years before moving uh, to the, to the Dallas area and getting my first job in it, but putting the story back together, some funny things, even when I first got to college uh, that I really didn't think about much, but things I was doing then, like I was one of the only dudes with a computer at that college, which I found hilarious. We weren't allowed to have TVs. This is a conservative college. Like, you couldn't go to the movies. I couldn't go on a date without a chaperone. It was bad. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was pretty conservative. I'm, you know, uh, I'm glad to be past some of those days, but it was funny. Um, but one of the only dudes with the computer, right? And guys always want to come play games on the computer and hang out and, you know, be that source and hub for the computer. But like anybody back in the day, you didn't have Spotify. You didn't have all the streaming. You didn't, you didn't have a lot of access. And if you're broke like I was, you didn't have access to music and things of that nature, the, the, the days of Napster, right? <laughs> Everything out there. So, yeah, don't, don't, don't judge me. But, you know, I downloaded a song or two here and there, just like the next guy at that age. And uh, funny story is I got, I got called up my room by the – probably the only network administrator at this very small Bible college. And uh, he's like, what, what are you doing on your computer right now? I was like, I'm just hanging out, man, listening to some music. He's like, what are you doing with the computer and the internet? I was like, why? He's like, you're sucking down like 80% of the whole entire school's bandwidth right now. I'm like, uh, just downloading some music, man. And he got upset with me and he started hitting me with, which I should have known better at the time, but he started hitting me with the ideas of like, you know, copyright issues and how I can get in big, huge trouble and sort of threatening me and trying to scare me a little bit. And basically a uh, short story is they took away my access for the, for the, uh, the network. Um, and then I know at the time, but all he did was do like a shut on my port in my room. He just shut off the ports in my room. Uh, and so I needed the internet. So I went to Walmart, uh, wherever I went and bought like a 50 foot land cable, ran it up and over the wall into uh, the next guy's room and plugged it in and it worked. I'm like, 
this fool doesn't know how to do, do any MAC address filtering. I'm in, you know, and I, I didn't, I didn't download anymore after that. Uh, tried to keep a low profile for a while. Um, but on top of that, what was funny is they filtered everything port wise, except 80 and 443 to the internet. Everything else was filtered. And for, you know, those type of software, it used like, I think like a, like the socks port at the time. And so the hacking part came into where I did like a socks to HTTP proxy and bypass and went through port 80 and they didn't know how to do protocol aware or anything like that. And so even then, like early on, I'm sitting there doing hacking stuff, script kitty stuff, but, you know, just making things work the way it wasn't intended, getting around things that I probably shouldn't just trying to survive and be a young dude and wanting to listen to some music at the time, you know, but um, just funny history stuff that I look back on. I'm like, I was a hacker, <laughs> you know, but, um, but anyways, fast forward, I guess, and feel free to interrupt me, um, unpack anything that's of, of any interest, but yeah, fast forward, the big pivot though, is move into the Dallas area. I resigned from my position as a youth pastor, not for any bad reason, just my wife wanted to be closer to family and, uh, transition into something else. And quite frankly, couldn't pay for a wife and three kids on a, on a ministry budget at the time. It was, it was, uh, doesn't pay well. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, I tried to pivot into technology. I, at that point I knew networking decent. Okay. Kind of like small home office networking stuff. I knew how to build a computer, how to install windows. Didn't really mess, you know, with any other operating system or anything quite yet, but took care of the networking and computer stuff at the church. I had built their rebuilt their website because it looked like complete garbage looked like something that was built out of like the mid nineties, probably because it was, you know, and I was like, man, this looks awful. It looks terrible for anybody who were to visit our church website. So I learned how to build websites and do that type of thing out of necessity at the time. Um, but that actually helped me because when I moved into this area, it was a little bit of who, you know, is a friend of a uh, family member that happened to be a director at a big insurance company in McKinney. And gave me a shot for an interview to do a contract. And the contract was six months. Money was okay. Well, nothing, nothing special, but I thought it was pretty awesome at the time. And uh, I was to replace like 700 uh, Windows XP computers and upgrade them to Windows 7 within six months on a call center that they had. And that was the job. And I didn't know a whole lot of what I was doing. I didn't know anything about Active Directory. I didn't know anything really about a enterprise grade network or how they do things. I knew how to install Windows. I knew I knew hardware and learn how to build websites. Um and got that job surprisingly. And when I when I asked later on why they gave me a chance, and this is what I think will hopefully help other people. I asked them, why'd you give me a chance? Like why did you hire me? Like I literally had nothing on my resume very technical other than building some websites and I I said that I took care of like a Soho network, you know, and they, they said to me that I presented myself as humble, teachable, hungry, and passionate, you know, those, those type of things were what they gave me. Not, not, not like, I think one of them said you had a cool beard and I saw that you learned how to build websites that, so that showed that you're, you can learn things. Right. But their biggest thing was like being humble, just, excitement and passion for what you know what you're trying to do um but being humble and teachable will go a long way you know um and that stuck with me and i 
I was dead set on, even though I didn't know a whole lot, working my tail off and doing everything I could to do the best job that I could. I was in there, you know, imaging 20 computers a day, deploying 20 computers, like just back to back, just going. And my boss was like, yo, bro, you got to slow down. You're going to be done with your contract in two months. I'm like, okay, show me something else I can do, <laughs> you know? And they put me into their ticketing system. And next thing I know, I'm like up in the executive's office fixing something and 20 minutes later, my, my manager comes like hustling down the hallway, getting like, you know, he was like out of breath by the time he got there. He's like, Hey guys, what's going on in here? You know, just trying to save face, uh, hoping that I'm not like screwing things up with an executive. And at that point I, you know, I had social skills working in ministry. I had, you know, public speaking skills. I felt completely fine interacting with whoever executive or didn't matter. I didn't, I didn't see him any different in my eyes. Right. I, I didn't know that that was a big deal that, you know, you got to send the best of the best to the executives. And I always thought that was funny. Um, and it wasn't a long time after that that they started re requesting me, you know, to start do their tickets and whatnot, which was humbling and cool. Um, but they gave me a job there after two months. They turned me into full time, gave me a job. And I worked that for like a year and a half. And I, I remember about a year and I'm like, okay, what's next? I can't do desktop support stuff forever. You know, like that's not going to, necessarily pay the bills um what else can i do and i started out you know i had the what i thought was cool about desktop is i had the ability to interface with all the different departments technical and non-technical and so it's kind of like just taking notes right just surveying like okay i could be a be a server admin i could be a network admin i could can't be a developer I, mean, <laughs> you know, I, I could i could do you know some some web development seo stuff maybe and just trying to take inventory of all the things I could do so I could start to make some goals, you know? Um, and then I came across this pod of new dudes coming in. There's about four or five of them. And due to some PCI compliance stuff, they, they needed to hire a security team. So they just hired a brand new security. I had no idea what these dudes did, um, but I was starting to set all their computers up and they were on this like, solo pod all by themselves and they always look like they were doing cool stuff and they had like all sorts of different computers like some of them are using linux and i'm like i didn't even see linux before like i generally knew what it was but um and i just started talking to them and asking questions and i was fascinated because one they love sharing information like anything i would ask about anything computer related they would add they would answer my questions um I was trying to work on Macs that I had no idea about. And I would over, I'll be over there asking one of the guys about it. He'd happily answer. In fact, I know this sounds corny, but I literally have some sticky notes because he ended up being one of my biggest mentors. I have sticky notes of commands he would write down to give to me, to help me do stuff. It was like, um, how to, how to copy from one disc to another disc, you know? Um, and just silly little commands that he was sharing with me. Like seriously, one of them's like how to LS, you know, and list out files in, the, in a Linux file system. And I have those as a keepsake just because, you know, remembering those days of, of just going from where I was to where I'm at now, it, it, it keeps me humble, I think. I don't know. Sounds weird, but um, those guys were just awesome to me. They were so nice, so open, would, would share any information, anything I'd ask. And then I started asking about everything they're doing. I thought it was fascinating. I would come up, I would find any excuse to go talk to these guys. I'd have like a malware tech bench USB drive at the time because we had terrible antivirus and I would find stuff all over the computers all the time. And I'd use my little 
super slick malware tech bench. <laughs> malware by spec bench. And I pull malware off of different computers. Not nothing nothing too awesome, right? Like pups and unwanted stuff most of the time. But I'd, I'd go there like a little puppy, like, I got some malware. You want it? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, dude, <laughs> copy it over to this computer and, and just copy it. There's like, you want me to put malware on your computer? He's like, yeah. Like, what do you do with it? He's like, well, every time I reboot it, it, uh, it just wipes itself clean. And so you put it on there. I'm going to open it up and let it explode and see what it does. And he's like, at the time, he's explained to me how he collects, you know, IOCs, indicators of compromise. And I'm like, that's awesome. Then what do you do? <laughs> you know? He's like, well, I go over to this sim thing, this logging platform that has all of our logs in the network. And I look for these, these indicators from the malware and see if I can find it anywhere else. I'm like, that sounds awesome. Can you show that to me? <laughs> you know? And so he took me over to his, his little console and, and showed me, man, I think it was like IBM sim at the time, key radar. And he was like, you want to try to find something? I was like, yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> and he's like what What would you look for i was like i don't know let's how about the middle of the night like when nobody should be working right we're a u.s based company middle of the night nothing should be going on can we look from like midnight to five in the morning you know he's like yeah and then he he filtered that in i didn't know what he's doing i just kind of watched and told him what to do and yeah i looked at the output of the screen i said are those are those like country flags he's like yeah was like, that china <laughs> He's like, yeah. I was like, can we can we filter on that? Like, should, do we do any business with China? He's like, sure, don't, <laughs> you know. And so he, he filtered it on, onto the the stuff from China, and he's like, now what do you see? And on the screen, I see this graph. It's like, I don't know, an hour long window, and you see boop, boop, boop every t- like ten or fifteen minutes. I can't remember what it was. And you see one connection, and I was like, it looks like it's just on a regular pattern, like communicating out every 10 minutes and he's like congratulations son you just found your first command and control <laughs> i was like wait <laughs> what and then he explained it to me and i'm like dude that was mind blown so um from that moment on dude i went home talked to my wife she hated it because i just was saying all sorts of nerdy stuff she had no idea and i'm like okay i'm gonna take the a plus and then i'm gonna take the network plus and then i'm gonna take the sec plus and by the time i get the sec plus I think I could get like an entry level security job. This is probably going to take me three to five years. You know, we're trying to like figure out how we can get our own house and like, you know, just be independent from making the weird transition where I didn't have a job. And I was all excited about it, man. I had this whole three to five year plan of how I was going to become a security analyst on the SOC team. Cause I just, I thought these dudes, everything they did was so cool. And I guess I'll go back. Like the, there was a 15 year veteran, the FBI, I'll leave his name out of it. But he had just moved into the into the private sector and had a lot of defense knowledge. Probably one of my biggest mentors to date. Um, another one was a really young dude, but he had started when he was super young already. Had done defense contract and all sorts of stuff. And he was like the senior architect at 23. This guy was just like mind-blowingly smart. Um, like HD Moore level smart. I don't know if you ever talked to HD before. That guy's on another level. But he's kind of like a, a, a mini hd more in my eyes and then there's like this dude that's like a self-taught uh hacker that's over there like cracking my password on the network and putting it on a whiteboard i'm like yo bro <laughs> he, he, he like blanked out part of it like left the last few characters i'm like what are you doing yeah. over here and there's a compliance guy and no offense but that was super boring to me and it still is so um but yeah it was just that was my experience up to that point and i i put in the game plan i thought that that was i thought 
you could have put heroin in my veins at that moment when I found that, you know, C2 in, in, in the sim. And there was just no turning back at that point. I was super energized. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I was dead set to figure out how to get myself there. Um, the cool thing is back to the humble, the teachable, the passion. I have no other way to explain the opportunities I was given, both with just getting the desktop support job with no experience. But then a month later, I got pulled into an office with my manager and the director of the, of the InfoSec group. And this is a month, literally just a month after I'd set my sights on, I'm going to do all these certifications. I'm going to do all this and that, and I'm going to get there. And they offered me an associate SOC analyst position and said, would, you know, this is what it would entail. Would you like to do that? I'm like, yeah, duh. <laughs> you know, and it, it came with a little bit of raise, definitely nothing special. And they started bringing me in like the meetings before I transitioned. They're talking about all these three letter acronyms. I'm just, I felt so stupid. I was just Googling everything like, what is DOP, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and dude, I was in over my head and I loved it. It was like drinking from the fire hose and I couldn't wait to sit next to these dudes and just soak it all in. And I was so ready to feel like a complete idiot and just sponge it up. Um, and that's, that's literally what happened. Ended up in a, in a pod with these dudes where I could just hunt and look for stuff and ask as many dumb questions as I hum, you know, possibly wanted to and just soaking it all in. Um, they, they sent me to, I think it was like a month or two after I started, they sent me off to DC to go to the, the big sands, uh, cyber defense summit and do my, my G sec, you know? And again, I sat in that class and just hooked the fire hose to my face. I had no idea what's going on and I loved it. Um, and I, you know, I decompressed all that over the next few months, took the certification, actually passed it with a pretty decent score, surprised myself. And it was just, it's, it hasn't stopped just from then. It's just been continual. Um, always learning, always staying curious, always just trying to stay humble, teachable. Um, and that's, that was a long-winded journey of how I got into InfoSec. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, why don't you share like where, what, where you went from there to, to where you are now? Man, the, the journey just continued. Honestly, I, I, I stayed there after I transitioned to InfoSec, I stayed there for about another year and a half and I was super content. I really liked the team of guys that I was working with. You know, one of my mentors, the guy that, that you know, helped me do the first threat hunting, he, he did move on uh, you know, like, I don't know, six or so months after, after I got started, but I stayed in, in close contact with him. Um, and the other guys that were there, I got to rub shoulders with them and stayed about a year and a half. And really it was like, if I'm honest, uh, nothing has really ever been financially motivated for me. I've just been humbled that people pay me to do this type of stuff that I think is absolutely cool and fascinating. But at the same time, I know I need to be mindful of like what other what the going rates of being paid is like, I don't want to be taken advantage of. And I have a family, I have uh, way too many kids and, and a wife and <laughs> I owe it to them to, to do the best I can financially too. Right. So, um, although it's not, it was never, and still isn't about money for me. I started realizing like how much people were getting paid to do the same thing that I was doing. And they were bringing me into interviews to interview other analysts that they were trying to expand the team. And I was like, cool. I, I know as much as these guys do. Like it was, you know, it was really humbling to be like, 
just uh, validating, right? Validating that, dang, I, I know this. And then I found out what these guys were asking. I don't know why they told me, but they, you know, found out what they were asking salary wise. And I'm like, holy cow, dude, like they're, they're asking, I don't know if I should toss out, you know, money factors on, on, on the interview, but they were tossing out a nearly twice as much as what I was making to transition to desktop support. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe I should go on the hunt a little bit or at least give them reasons to rectify me. You know what I mean? Which is what I did try first. Like I'm, I'm probably, um, I'm probably, com- I probably commit to a fault. I think, um, where I, I I saw no reason to leave that place, right? I, I was like, shoot, I'll just I'll see if I can get some interviews and like get some offers and give them a reason to rectify my salary and I'll stay here. We'll just keep going, right? Um, little did I know that HR had zero interest in doubling my salary for for no reason in their eyes. You know what I mean? So yeah. I ended up I had to move on, but nothing on them. That's just how business works. And no no hard feelings. I'm still friends with a lot of those, but well, none of them really work there anymore. But I, I believe I could go back there and work at that same business today with no problem, but uh, got a few interviews and landed where I'm at now with a large retailer um, for a reasonable, you know, salary for where I was at the time. And they hired me on as, I guess what you call like a tier one SOC analyst, basically, right? Working on their security operations team as an analyst. I got some cool fun tasks initially when I got in there. Um, the company had just been, you might be able to figure this out if you Google enough context, but they just got breached um, in 2014 and 15 alongside of Home Depot and Target and all the big ones. And I knew that before I interviewed and I thought that was cool. <laughs> you know, I'm like, this could go one or two ways. Either either they didn't learn their lesson and I'm going to really quickly find out when I interview or they learn their lesson and they're going to have a potentially decent team and the 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 budget to to do some cool things right and recover and really build up the security team and that's actually what it was they didn't have a security team no brainer at the time right they didn't have a security team and they were building one out and they were just recovering from that second breach unfortunately when i came in and it was cool everybody was on high alert about everything security really mattered to everybody i'm not going to say the budget was endless you know endless because it wasn't but they had a lot of top tier tools a small edge you know not agile in the developer sense, but just a nimble, you know, lean team. A um, lot of awesome, smart people that I, I have enjoyed working with, you know. Um, I won't name names again, but some of them, some of your <laughs> friends that you know, a lot of, we know a lot of the same people, but I, I've had the honor to work with some really cool, sharp people um, in my time, still at the same place seven years later. But um, I'll just work my way up just staying curious, staying passionate, um, putting myself in any position I can to, to help or do better or improve something. And in fact, I got promoted first to engineers because there's tools that I think the engineering side of the house just couldn't keep up with. They didn't have enough people. And I'm like, Hey, I'll, I know, I know how to do silence at the time. Let, let me do that. You know, I, I, <laughs> there's other tools that I, that they had. I was like, let, let me see if I can't pick up some slack right and i just started doing engineering work before i even knew it was engineering work for for you know security operations and end up getting promoted to, to engineer and then a few years later to senior engineer and just started tossing more and more engineering and and stuff on my plate and um i don't know i guess it's been a little over a year or so ago i got promoted to 
security operations architect, whatever that is. <laughs> just, I don't, I don't really care about the titles. I just care if I get to do fun, interesting things that I'm passionate about. And I don't, you can call me senior toilet cleaner. I don't, it doesn't bother me. Uh, <laughs> if I'm paid competitively and I'm working on cool stuff and working with, you know, cool, sharp people, then I'm happy. And that's been my journey at my place currently. And I'm still working on fun stuff, you know, um, but that that comes with hard work and passion, right? Like when when you're humble about what you do and when you're teachable and when you have passion and it just doesn't feel like a job, it's I'm not gonna say it's easy, right? I'm not gonna say doing infosec stuff is easy. There's definitely stressful times, there's definitely events and things that go on. There's definitely times where I'd had to stay up till, you know, three, four in the morning somewhere at a data center, right? Um but that's not, you know, every single day. And I like the mix up. I, I like that it's not mundane, the same thing every day. You know, I can, one of my, one of my coworkers and they're a DC 940 member. And actually I met them there and that's how they got the job. Like we can talk about that. Who, who, you know, is a big deal, right? Getting yourself out there in the community. I know we'll probably go into some of that, but he calls me the chaos engineer. <laughs> Cause I'm just always in there <laughs> causing chaos, man, breaking stuff. Like my job's to fix it and prevent things and, and, you know, come up with different ways to, to, to detect and prevent things. But you also got to know to be a good defense, you got to know your offense. And so I love hacking on stuff and breaking things and figuring out things and, you know, causing a little bit of chaos here and there. Right. If it's all like unicorns and rainbows all the time and you never have anything, um, risky that pops up then what are you doing you know so if i don't have enough risky things going on i'm gonna create some you know i'm gonna <laughs> poke poke some holes and create myself more work but it's fun man you know i'm like hey i just did i just did this really scary thing what if someone else could do that you know he's like my CISO will be like yeah please go fix that right away <laughs> you got it <laughs> you know uh, anyways enough so rants, what but so what is your advice for someone that's wanting to get into the industry? Cause you know, you had the path you went down and I know you've mentored and helped a lot of others get into the industry or advance from it or advance their career in security. So what's your advice for someone that wants to get into cybersecurity? I, I really truly feel like anybody can do it. I don't care what your background. Um, you know, I told you I went to Bible college, but I didn't tell you that I don't have a degree. You know, I've studied adolescent counseling and, and theology, but I'm three credits short of math or science in my, my bachelor's degree. And I couldn't care less because, the you know, there's there's reasons I should probably go snag that and just finish it. But I haven't had a good reason yet. Um, but it doesn't matter what your background is. I've heard of so many various backgrounds in our industry, it's actually really cool to, to hear those different stories. I mean, you're, everybody knows your story. It's hilarious and awesome all at the same time, right? You're out here wearing spandex and suplexing people to CAD drafting and to fighting bears and then, you know, elite hacker, you know, it's just, and there's so many cool stories out there. So one, I really think that anybody can do it if you set your mind to it. You know, I was, I was listening to, I think, uh, Hutch in his episode, right? He's like, you you set your mind to it. It's, it seems hard at first, right? But if you set your mind to it, you can you can do it. And what I think is important though to get there is putting yourself around good people, finding a good network. Get out there wherever you're at. If there's not a meetup for hackers, cybersecurity, whatever, I mean, find something. There's probably going to be a DEFCON group. You know, there's probably going to be some sort of 
group that's in your area that you can go meet up with other people in the cybersecurity infosec kind of field, right? Um, I think that's huge. I think there's some really great certifications out there that are pretty dang affordable. Um, there's a lot of community. I'm not a huge college fan, if I'm honest with you, but it's more about it's more about time and money spent. Um, if, if I really do break that down where I don't think it's a must, I think it's right for some people, but per, if you're like me where you're super hands-on, you don't learn by sitting in the classroom and just being lectured, you gotta, you gotta tear stuff apart. You know, you gotta, you gotta break mom's VCR and try to put it back together <laughs> to really reinforce how something works, you know? And so for me, the certification stuff was perfect. Like, like SANS training was amazing for me, the, their, their format. Now, it's super cost prohibitive. I've never paid for a SANS course in my life, nor do I plan to. If my company will pay for it, which they, they have over, you know, historically, I'm reasonable with it. You know, I only ask for, you know, some training every so many years just to keep progressing a little bit. But there's so much out there that's hands-on. Uh, the anti-siphon training out of, you know, Black Hills InfoSec and John Strand. There's a ton of stuff there that's like super affordable. They're, they're entry-level classes. They will literally, literally give you discount codes openly down to like $20 for a four-day course, like super hands-on labs, get your hands dirty, teach on it, and then let you play with it. And they'll give it to you for free in some of those courses. Like there's literally no excuse. There's so much content out there. There's content on YouTube. You know, you've listed tons of the different sites and resources that are out there. Um, the CompTIA stuff's pretty affordable. I mean, I'm sure you know more than I do about some of those tracks, but I really truly feel that almost anybody can take the time. Some will take them longer than others. Just get a, get the security plus. If you don't want to pay for the network plus or the a plus, I don't think that you need to, in my opinion, go study the content, get it, get a $30 book off of Amazon uh, with Mike Myers or someone like that. And just study their, their manuals and, and just learn the content. Like, I guess that's a big thing. Don't, don't study to pass the test or certification study to learn and understand. If you don't learn it and you don't understand it, then it's useless. I can I can talk to somebody with a CISSP, a CEH, whatever else the HR is going to want. I could talk to them for ten minutes and and weed through the people who just studied to to take a test versus study to really learn and understand. Like a principle that I follow is like if I can explain it to a seven year old or whatever, then I and they understand it, then I feel like I understand it. When I was studying for the CISSP. I was made to, well, I wasn't made to take the CIS. I was highly encouraged to take the CISSP and I passed somehow. But when I was studying encryption uh, as part of one of the domains, I was like, this was over my head. I'm studying, I think it was the, the transposition cipher. And I'm like really trying to study to understand this. And I got to a point where I felt like I understand it well enough to where I had this concept where my daughter at the time was seven. And I'm like, I'm going to see if I can get my daughter who is ADHD you know, <laughs> and she doesn't, you know, unless something's interesting, she's not going to give you the time of day. Right. And so I decided I was going to play this and like, Hey, daddy, you and daddy, we can write secret messages to each other <laughs> that no one else can read. <laughs> and I, I literally taught her the, I didn't, I didn't use any big words, but I taught her the transposition cipher algorithm of how we could do a shared key you know, our, our, our secret password, right? And we use that password to do the transposition algorithm like on paper and seven years old and she, it clicked. Like I was able to explain it in a way that she understood it. 
And so I felt like I truly understood it. And she loved it like for weeks upon weeks. I, she's probably forgot a lot of it now, but she's way older and I'm not cool enough anymore. But back and forth, she would come in there with a secret note and I'd decrypt it and I'd write one back and she loved it besides the point. But like, that's just my, that's my, my theory around like study to understand something. Don't just try to blaze through it. Take your time if you have to, you know? Um, but I really yeah, totally think, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I totally agree. Cause I've seen, seen many cases where people, uh, you know, someone from the local community, they worked in reverse engineering for a while and they got a job as a pen tester and then they were going to need to learn how assembly in college they took assembly but they really didn't learn it they just did enough to pass the class and had to go back and learn it all over again so like you're saying you can save yourself a lot of trouble this is something you're going to use you might as well use it now and it's going to make it a lot easier when you go through the interview when people ask you questions around that topic yeah 100 percent. i mean i've I'm not trying to judge anybody, but I've done a lot of interviews, interviewing people for different jobs, you know, things of that nature and sitting in those. And it's not hard to tell. And I don't, I hate doing like intimidating interviews. I try to, I try to get someone as comfortable as possible. Like one of the best dudes in our team right now has been with us for a long time. Super smart dude was just sweating bullets in his interview. He was like overly humble. Like you could tell that he just was super nervous. And I was like, man, what can I do to get this guy to relax and let's just talk talk shop type of stuff and i didn't i didn't ask the dude you know what the seven layers of the osi model was <laughs> you know what i mean we're like what does your home lab look like bro what's stuff that you like enjoy working on what, what are cool things that you did at your last job that you had and just let them talk right and and be comfortable because you can just tell real quick if someone's passionate about what they do and that's what i'm always trying to uncover i'm trying to uncover their passions you know um, and w- what they're doing on their own time or at their previous job. And you can quickly decipher, like, if someone's really knows their stuff and is passionate about it. Sure, if, if they've gotten some, you know, cool, notable certs and whatnot, obviously you can't go out and pass some of these certifications without at least learning something. But it definitely doesn't say everything. If someone shows up with a bachelor's degree in cybersecurity, cool. You showed that you can learn. You showed you can pass some tests and stuff. And hopefully you've learned a lot. Um, but I, that's just part of it for me. Like, I I think you really got to focus on understanding what you're learning and, and trying to apply it, too. So that's the other big thing I'll give is, like, learn it. Then go apply it. Get a home lab. You don't have to spend a lot of money. I bought a $200 server you know, used off of Craigslist when I first started and <laughs> talked to my wife and let me buy a full-size server rack because it was cheaper than a used half rack or a new half rack. And I literally came home in the, you know, huge server rack in the back of our minivan. <laughs> she didn't know what she was getting herself into. But I started racking up servers and like free use switches from, I got from buddies and from work. I, you know, I'd spend minimal money on like some basic networking gear, like Ubiquity. You can, they have decent gear, but just set up a basic home lab, enough for you to goof around on, you know, setting up like security onion and learning how to do like defense stuff and playing with Zeke and Suricata and all these different defense tools and even doing some setting up some VMs that I could hack on. There's a lot of great like hacking resources to learn on the internet, but for a while there, there's more now, but there wasn't a lot of like defense type of stuff. You, you can find a lot more now, but back then I, there was no good ways I could think of other than just staging out a lab and doing stuff or even on the hacking side, you know, I've talked about like word driving. I've talked about other little goofy stuff and projects that I've done just for fun, you know, and just learning, okay, like how do I hack Wi-Fi? Now I didn't word drive and hack everybody's Wi-Fi. You know, I'm not, I want to, I want to keep, keep myself 
employed, <laughs> but uh, but just going around doing word driving. There's nothing. There's no harm in that. Let the kids play Pokemon Go, and I collect some, you know, all the Wi-Fi. Um, but like you know, I staged out stuff to to hack my own Wi-Fi and learn how that works, and then you know, was downloading. Um, have I been pwned data set and trying to learn how to do hash cat and crack passwords. And I was able to use that, like even like the hack and stuff, I was able to use password, password cracking in, in the enterprise, right? Like trying to work on getting better password policies and be like, Hey, if I can crack this many people's passwords or guess their passwords in our enterprise, like maybe we should do something about it. You know, I, I, uh, I think my record at one of my places was like a, I think like 140 accounts that I got passwords to in like a matter of four hours <laughs> I was on the blue team. You know, I'm just, I'm just like, Hey, I'm trying to prove a point here. Like people are using silly stuff. I can do some basic password spray. Like one, did you detect me doing it Two, What do we do about all these people, you know, using summer 2020, you know, hashtag, yeah. you know, <laughs> stuff like that. But um, sorry, I'm off on a rant, but yeah, just oh, no I really do think anybody can can pick up a book, can watch a YouTube video, can set up an inexpensive lab, um, find people like you and I and other people who are super passionate that that'll, that'll that'll talk to you and answer questions. Like, there's no dumb questions. Come to DC nine four zero, ask me the silliest questions you can think of because they're probably not as silly as you think, and I will brain dump on you literally for hours after afterwards you know and it's been really fun to to have people like that who've shown up and just sometimes i'll find people i i, I look for people who look like they're lost and don't know what they're doing at some of our meetups and other meetups i've gone to um i've picked up lots of mentees that way uh there's one guy we met at uh north texas Cybersecurity group and that was going on right and i just cornered him afterwards and said hey you know tell me about yourself you know what do you what brought you here and he was trying to get into security and I ended up mentoring him for about a year. Now the dude works for trusted sec. It's like, you know, works for Dave Kennedy. I'm like, you have like my dream, my dream employer. Um, and there's been other stories like that of people, you know, you, you've interviewed um, John. Uh, what's his last name? Starts with an M. Which one? Starts with an M. He was a cop. Oh, John Merritt. John Merritt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mar okay. Yeah. I was gonna say Merritt, but you, you know, you interviewed him. Like I, he joked, he joked on the on the interview with you that I that I told him he couldn't do it, but that's not right. I told him it'd be really hard to do what he was doing until I found out that he <laughs> had like 15 hours a day to study. I was like, oh, cool. Never mind. You got 15 hours a day. Yeah, you got this, bro. But yeah. most people didn't have that luxury, and he killed it. He's awesome, man. He he really. It was fun to watch him. Dude, it didn't. I don't. How many months did that take him? Uh, he, he flew through it. That was super awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting cause he went through like CEH, then Pentest plus then the OSCP and yeah. Yeah. I, I, I told him my, my opinions on some of those and he, he, he had a game plan. He was set. And I think even yeah. me joking around, it would be hard. I think that even mo obviously motivated even more. He's like, I'm gonna show this Papa shell guy, <laughs> but I loved it, man. More, more <laughs> power to him. That was super awesome that he, he had that level of time to dedicate, but you don't have to have 15 hours a day. I had three kids at the time and a full-time job and, you know, still heavily involved volunteering even to this day at my, you know, my church and with youth, I still like to do that type of thing too. And, uh, you know, any, anybody I think can find the time to do it if they dedicate themselves, you know, um, I, I had no degree, 
no certifications whatsoever all the way up through my journey until I got my first certification a, a month or so after getting into InfoSec. Maybe my story's unique. Maybe, maybe that's a little far-fetched for most people. Maybe I got lucky. I don't know. But staying humble, teachable, surrounding yourself with, with smart people, networking, that's just been my journey so far. I literally had none of that until, until I got that first job in InfoSec. So it's possible, you know. I do recommend doing uh, continued education, whether it's certifications, whether it's affordable college, um, whether whatever it may be, like always be learning. And that's been that's been my journey. But getting into it, you can do it. You know, there's so many different. I'm sure you have tons of advice on how to do it, too. There's no specific way, but there's there's a lot of like I feel like there's definitely a lot of commonalities and in, in the opinions that I've heard from you, from doing other interviews, from your books, from all sorts of stuff. There's a lot of commonalities and there's similar things, right? You hear passion, you hear be humble, you hear be teachable, you hear, you know, do self-study, you hear watch some YouTube videos, get on the various websites, listen, listen to various people, go to your, your, you know, lo local hacker and cybersecurity meetups. You hear all those things from so many people. So do those things. Uh, great, great advice. Uh, we're getting down towards the end of the show. Is there anything you'd like to share before we close up? Um, I always hear you ask, do you feel like uh, coding is necessary <laughs> to get into cybersecurity? Yeah. You ask some people <laughs> that. And uh, I also give my, just, just for those who, who want opinions on that, I knew jack squat about any kind of scripting or coding until I was well into my security engineer role does it help heck yeah now now work with apis and learn how to do some powershell python some basic scripting not necessarily programming but more like scripting stuff and being able to like help to automate and speed yourself up i do wish i would have learned it sooner so there's that but do you have to know it i don't think so you know i don't, I don't think it's a requirement to start it is very helpful i do recommend it though you know get yourself in there with some powershell some python if you want to but it's not a requirement um, but no, I mean, follow, follow us on, on our discord for 940. If you're in our area, love to meet anybody in person. If you're not reach out to me on Twitter, Mastodon, LinkedIn, whatever your flavor, um, love to love to chat, love to answer questions. I can't mentor everybody in the world, but if I can do it, I'll do it. You know, um, I, I've had some really awesome mentors, as I spoke of in my past, and I feel like I feel like I owe it back to the community to to help however I can. I feel inadequate most of the time. I feel like I'm not, you know, I'm no X Y Z person that's that's big in our industry. But I have some knowledge. I'm willing to share it. And if it helps you, awesome. If it doesn't, awesome. Maybe you can teach me something. Cool. Thanks for, for joining. It was great, great to have you on sharing your story and your advice. Appreciate it. Again, honored to be on here. Hope it helps somebody and I appreciate the invite. Thanks everyone for joining and we'll see you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory podcast with Philip Wiley. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues.
If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.